0: Hello and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every week we discuss some scientific misconceptions with the hope of you're learning something you didn't already know about the world. I'm here with my co-host Camden Jingles Hanslick Burton.
1: <laughs> and joining me is my co-host Margaret Hip hip hooray! Hanslick Burton. <laughs> welcome, welcome to, to the, the show. show My honey, oh my honey, and let that was Alexander's Ragtime Band, composed by Irving Berlin, performed by Billy Murray in 1911. Not, Not Bill, Bill Murray, Murray, for sure.
0: <laughs> um, so, as a reminder, I'm Margaret. I'm a marine educator at an aquarium.
1: And I'm Camden, a high school environmental and life science teacher.
0: So... Our first segment, we usually talk about every week something that we're excited about this week. So, Cameron, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Um, this segment, which is just called Down the Rabbit Hole now.
0: So it's a sub-segment.
1: Yep. It's a segment within a segment until I actually have something to share outside of the segment. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, we talked about taste buds. Um, there are a lot of questions that came out to it. or And one of them was, is cilantro related to taste buds in some way like is that you know connected to the whole misconception of, about of
0: where are your taste buds, like where are oh, your okay. taste
1: buds what is it mm-hmm. and so um i looked into it a little more and i learned that in europe cilantro is called coriander
0: i think i know i think that coriander is like the little seed of cilantro because they're in my mind, they're two different things. Like, in our spice cabinet, we right. have ground coriander.
1: Right, but they call it coriander.
0: They call the actual leafy part coriander? That's what it said. Okay.
1: I fact I checked this because right. I didn't want to get this right. next part wrong, which was coriander is Greek translated to bedbug. bug. Yikes. And I thought, boy, you don't want to say that on on air and get that wrong. And I looked at a couple places, and it does roughly break down into bed bug, or definitely bug. And the reason for that is that a lot of people in Europe think it smells like a bug.
0: How do bugs smell?
1: Like coriander I or cilantro. It. Well, so I looked into it more, and 23andMe um, surveyed people. So I guess I haven't taken this uh, genetics test yet, but they'll also ask you some questions too. Um, so that as they like find out more and more with like their genetic profiles, they can try to attach that to survey responses. And one of them was, what does cilantro taste like to you? Mm-hmm. And so people who said it tastes like soap more commonly were from European, Asian, or African descent. Mm-hmm. And um, play, people from a Southeast Asian, Hispanic, or Middle Eastern descent did not describe that taste as often being like soap. So there's, their hypothesis then is like, that's probably why we see cilantro in a lot of meals from like traditional to those cultures, whereas you don't really see them in like Europe. Or in, like, maybe, like, North Asian cuisines.
0: You like cilantro.
1: I do like cilantro.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: So, so yeah, the, to connect, I'm apparently not European.
0: Well.
1: Yeah. Huh. Um, it also explains why my banh mis have a lot of cilantro on them, but not egg salads. That was the most European meal I could think of. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but they do think it's an olfactory gene at play which I thought it would be like a a taste-related gene, but I guess that makes sense since smell is pretty closely related to taste.
0: Nice. I love cilantro. If a bed bug smells like cilantro or coriander, then great. Good for them.
1: Good for them, man. Love
0: them. Okay, the thing I'm excited about this week, I guess it didn't happen this week. I think it happened last week, but I'm still excited about it. I get little happy chills every time I think about her. Um, the, one of the largest sharks that's been documented. On <laughs> I was really not sure where this is going. Uh, deep blue. She was spotted around Hawaii. I think it was last week. Um, and oh, she's the prettiest. Um, she is, I think they think that she's around like 20, 21 feet long which most Great Whites, I believe, are about 16 feet long.
1: Whoa.
0: Um, so she's significantly longer than that. She was first discovered, I think, for a Shark Week documentary. Not discovered, like, she was waiting out on the wings for <laughs> a talent manager to come by. But um, in 2014 for a Shark Week documentary. Um, and she's really big. She's really, really big. And they think she's around 50 years old. And Is that
1: old for a Great White?
0: Well, we really don't know. We... You can be wee.
1: Yeah. You're a marine educator. <laughs> if you're not wee, then I'm not sure who is.
0: We really don't know how long great whites live, but the thought is maybe seventy years. Um, but in this most recent video, which you can find on YouTube, um, she looks very, very wide too. So the thought is maybe she's pregnant, which would be great. Um, which would be
1: gra- great. Great
0: I- white. Um And uh, the other exciting thing about her being spotted in Hawaii is that you really don't see great whites in Hawaii a lot. That's more where tiger sharks hang out. Uh-huh. Um, and so seeing her in Hawaii is significant. But then also the fact that she, the last time she was seen was off the coast of Baja, California a couple years ago. That means she traveled a long distance to get there. Um, but she was seen because she was munching on some yummy, yummy sperm whale carcass. Uh So they're really excited. and I'm really excited and I love her. And, oh, if you want to follow her on Twitter, you can. (laughs) She has a Twitter account. I think it's just deep underscore blue.
1: Isn't deep blue also like a computer from like the 80s?
0: I am not a computer educator. Okay, I sorry. I have my very <laughs> narrow field. <laughs> anyway, Deep Blue is gorgeous. I'm excited that she's turned up again. I'm very excited about her.
1: So let's head into the main segment of the show the misconceptions. Every week, we'll each bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. As a note, each co host researches their misconception on their own and brings it to the podcast, the other co host, has not heard of it. Or not heard it yet. I've pre- yeah. I say this every time. <laughs> We've probably heard of it. Um, this primarily is to make us feel more more like a discussion where the other person doesn't have to feel like they have to prepare a bunch of, you know, counterfacts and sound really smart. We can just learn alongside of you, the listener. Um, every week Dang. we always want to flip a coin and every week we don't have a coin to flip. Margaret, can I flip this coaster?
0: Ugh, no, can we do the... The dice tower that we have. Oh, we
1: have a dice tower now.
0: Um, do you want to talk about how you, how you created it while I go grab the actual?
1: So in episode three, we hosted Jordan, who told us that we wanted to be. uh, He wanted us to be part of a Dungeons and Dragons um, game that he actually hosted for his birthday, and we were a part of, and it was great. I'm a bard gnome. I am a. Elf, um... are you a... Oh, what's a, a religious knight? Oh, man, I already, Jordan would be disappointed. Oh, Jordan, I'm so sorry. I forgot the name of my... Paladin. Yep. Yep, I'm elf paladin, a wood elf paladin. And, um, but dice rolling is very noisy and can get out of control and so space, if jordan's listening you are going to be listening to a present you will be getting soon which is a dice tower that i 3d printed for you
0: hooray happy birthday jordan happy birthday jordan <laughs> um, so i have this little 3d printed dice for the dice tower should it be like one through three I go first. Four that makes three, sense.
1: Six, you go first. I feel fourth through the oh, six right I don't have right to. Now. I
0: don't have to shake it. Cause yep, that's
1: how the dice star works, and it worked. And it's six. It's a six. Can't Here we go, go, Margaret. Uh huh. According to the International Food Information Council, four in ten U.S. consumers still say they avoid MSG. Uh huh. What do you know about MSG?
0: I know that it's a. I think it brings like umami flavor. Very good. Very good. A little umami. Um, and it's traditionally, I think, in, like, Asian cuisine. Mm-hmm.
1: That is traditional, yes.
0: Um, I know it has a bad reputation. It
1: definitely does.
0: Um, but I...
1: What have you heard about the side effects of MSG? Ugh, I don't know. Oh, okay.
0: I, I have... I mean, I don't, should I say what I really know about it? I'll say what I really know about it. Yeah. I, I I know that it has a bad reputation for no reason. Like it's, I from what I understand, it's no worse for you than any other thing.
1: Yeah. So most people, when they hear MSG, um, I think definitely think of what you were thinking of that traditionally think of them with like uh, Chinese foods um, or, and we think of it, especially if they don't know much about it, maybe like if you have too much of it, You're either going to be, like, sleepy or lethargic or you may not feel well. Um, So in 1968, a biomedical researcher, who ironically is a Chinese immigrant, uh, described what has forever been known as Chinese restaurant syndrome. Oh. And so he said that he was just sort of feeling ill and, like, some headaches and some nausea, nothing too terrible. But had said that he wondered if it was related to the amount of MSG that he was consuming in Chinese foods. Um, so what exactly is MSG? Im- I
0: know what it stands for.
1: Oh, you do? Great.
0: Monosodium glutamate?
1: Oh my gosh, I had to look it up, um, oh, I and I've... Smart. You aren't smart. <laughs> um, I had to look it up, and I've probably looked this thing up, like, 50 times and every time I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, monosodium glutamate, um... There are any words you want to break down for us in there?
0: Oh boy, mono one.
1: One, sodium.
0: Sodium salt. Yep. Glutamate. Glutamate.
1: Glutamate, a <laughs> common amino acid. Heck. Hey. So it's an amino. It's a salt from an amino acid. Um, it's naturally occurring. Um, you can actually find it in tomatoes, mm-hmm. grapes, cheese, mushrooms, things like, like that.
0: Most of those things you have named.
1: Um, but they actually extracted it in 1908
0: from seaweed. I love so seaweed. It
1: was derived in Japan, and you, were, as you said, it has an umami taste, and was really just like a salt, because it is like a salt. It was really to add like a salty flavor and umami mm. taste to things mm. um, found in seaweed. Uh, I was looking through the FDA's website. I was glad to see that they acknowledged that there was a misconception around the dangers of MSG. They didn't so much squash it, which Mm -hmm. I was, you'll hear a little bit more of why I'm not in love with how they presented it. Mm -hmm. Um, they did share that the average American eats about half a gram of MSG a day. Um, and that something that I think was a very powerful fact I learned, um, We actually will consume 13 grams of normal glutamate every day from protein in our food, which can naturally be broken down into MSG. So we're only eating a half gram of what is now artificial MSG. Mm. So that's the MSG that we extracted back in the 1900s.
0: See, I think that's interesting because, at least speaking personally, I think when I was younger, before I learned more about it, I think that just think I, I mean even until right now I think the idea that there's MSG in other foods besides like you know the like Asian cuisine mm-hmm. dishes is would surprise a lot of people
1: yeah and because it's a salt guess where like a lot of MSG is artificially added to
0: guess where it is yeah what kind of salt? foods
1: like what kind of foods is it added to salty ones salty ones so it's in a lot of chips fast food
0: mm-hmm.
1: um other snacks mm-hmm. um and so of course it's not just in um traditional like chinese restaurants um and one thing i found that was helpful which or was really a nice like logical sentence which is if people really were getting sick from msg Mm -hmm. wouldn't uh those from like japan and korea where it's consumed the most be complaining of it first all the time wouldn't there be tons of research coming
0: um
1: from those parts of the world saying like this this is really bad we shouldn't be putting this in our food Uh um so that was another thing that made me think yeah why is it just americans and people who seem to be afraid of it Mm -hmm. um Of course, I dug into the research, and many people have before me. This certainly was not uncovered by me. There's really no studies that say MSG is bad for you. There have been several that have been published to say that there are some negative side effects, um, but they also associate that with just over-consumption of salt, which Mm -hmm. we all know is like not, like, they said there's heart-related concerns, which we all know, like, low-sodium diets are potentially something to consider if you have like heart concerns or that maybe might run in your family. Sure. Um and so i was always really interested in why does this myth persist? Mm. And really that's sort of like the theme of our show. Why do these myths persist or exist at all? Or even exist. Mm-hmm. Um the persistence I think is into a lot of well mainly misconceptions are always hard to break That's mm-hmm. our show. Mm-hmm. Um I was reading a lot about just really sad, but general distrust today of government agencies and how a lot of people really don't like, or always don't have immense trust in the FDA. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have to admit seeing the FDA still allow labels like no MSG added Mm -hmm. or no MSG on foods, I think allows this myth to persist and allows, allows it to stick around. Mm -hmm. Um, but, of course, like you said, why did it come around? A lot of this is related to anti-Asian bias and racism. Right.
0: I think that that's one of the big underlying things of it is like, yeah, like, oh, how could those people eat that? Like, we're not like them. Like, how could they eat that? And shouldn't they know better? Yeah.
1: Exactly. The, the otherness, which we find in a lot of prejudice and racism. Mm-hmm where you view someone else's experience and culture and identity outside of your own as not normal Mm -hmm. is of course what led to these msg being stigmatized um which of course it's in everything it's it's in tomatoes (laughs) eat your tomatoes Mm, it's in so much food today well you don't eat tomatoes (laughs) for very non-prejudiced reasons you have a food weirdness (laughs) um just weird just um but yeah that's certainly how it started it's how it's persisted it makes me sad i was looking through images of um like a lot of korean restaurants chinese restaurants um some like just a lot of different uh asian restaurants listing like big banners that said no msg served here and and a lot of Things like the FDA saying no MSG added and no MSG, I think, is a short-term fix to calm people's anxiety. Yeah. But the long-term solution is education.
0: Right. And... Say it again for the people in the back.
1: (laughs) So, that is MSG. Go ahead and eat it. Eat it at any dose you prefer, just as much as you would prefer normal salt dose. Oh, fun fact, salt, sodium chloride, regular old table salt. Uh, more salty than at the same levels as MSG. So MSG is not even, like, saltier than other things.
0: Like, it, it, like table salt would be worse for you.
1: Yeah, if you're having the same amount, you, are, you should be more concerned with how much salt you have than MSG. Um, that was another thing I found out, according to the FDA. I uh, also got a lot of lovely things from the Washington Post and the Columbia Educational Journal.
0: Thanks. Now that makes me very hungry, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, Should we uh, go to
1: KFC that, and um, break our vegetarianism?
0: Do they have? Yeah,
1: that? they were like the number one culprit.
0: Oh, I I don't eat at KFC for a bunch of other reasons, it's not because of that at all. Yeah. Okay. So it's no, not because it of a the bucket MSG bucket thing. Of any food.
1: Okay, we don't want to like ruin any chance. that
0: they any sort
1: of branding here, you know so. What?
0: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go ahead and say that they do not need to sponsor
1: us. Okay, thank God I had the delay on. I'm bleeping that whole thing out. (laughs) Oh. Margaret, what did you bring for us this week?
0: Well, you know, if we cast our minds back to what I said I was excited about, that might be a subtle clue.
1: You know, I was wondering when this was gonna make an appearance. (laughs) All the murder things certainly came first.
0: Yeah, I'm just unraveling little layers of my personality. Um, And a big part of me is my love of sharks. Yeah, there it is. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I love sharks so much. I always have. I always will. Um, Right now I'm wearing a shark ring that my very sweet sister and brother-in-law gave to me. Um, I have a bunch of shark necklaces, a shark onesie, our salt pepper shakers are uh, shark-shaped. My car has a shark teeth license plate holder. It's true. My car's name is Tiburonita, which in Spanish means little shark. Um, In
1: this room, I am looking at a shark pen holder.
0: Yeah, there's a pen holder that's a shark. Well, it's really like a snack bowl, but pens are in it now.
1: The shark teeth in our bathroom, did you mention? Yeah, there's
0: a bunch of... There's a shark teeth in a shadow box that we have. Um, Yeah, so I love sharks a lot. Quite a lot. Um, And, of course, the big misconception about them is Camden.
1: That they eat people Yeah, oh, okay
0: that they eat people so yeah the misconception is that sharks are bloodthirsty man eaters or woman eaters oh that 2019 and devour people they're mindless yes that's the misconception um and is there any movie we could pinpoint Cameron? do you think that would contribute Oof. to that
1: There's so many star wars no not a good example no Um, Jaws, maybe.
0: Jaws, a hundred thousand percent, yeah. Um, so, Sharks have a bunch of bad PR, and Jaws played a huge part in all of that. Um, it created a huge amount of fear in people about the dangers of the ocean, the dangers of swimming, the dangers of sharks. Um, I know my mom said that when she saw it, she said it was like the scariest movie she'd ever, ever seen. Um, she avoided baths for a while because, you know. And I kind of get it. You know, who hasn't been in a swimming pool and closed their eyes and been like, "Oh, what if there's a shark in here? You know, which is not... Can
1: I yeah, interrupt? Correct? Yep. I haven't.
0: Oh, well. Alright. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... I've been
1: afraid of maybe falling underwater and never getting back up. Not a shark.
0: So, I don't know. Um, so, Jaws... Studies have shown that Jaws has even had an impact on laws and policies that different countries make about how they treat sharks and how they uh, deal with sharks, which is pretty sad because, I don't know if you know this, but Jaws is not a documentary. Oh, yeah,
1: that makes sense. Kind
0: of a misconception within a misconception.
1: I always wonder why there was a fake shark in the documentary.
0: Right, yeah. Um, And I just wonder, like, why is it that we can't separate... Reality from fiction in the movie Jaws when we can with other horror movies. Like, you know, no one's campaigning to outlaw nuns or creepy looking houses.
1: Wait, why would we outlaw nuns? Well,
0: there's that, there was that scary movie about a nun. Oh, oh the nun. You okay. kept showing me that trailer. Oh, it was <laughs> oh my so gosh. scary. I couldn't go on YouTube for like a month. It was so scary. Oh, even thinking about it. Anyway, um,. <laughs> So they still get PR, or bad PR, and you know this, but one of my pet peeves is even in programs whose goal it is to like educate people about sharks and the realities mm. of sharks, even they sometimes don't get it right because they focus on shark bites and shark, shark attacks. Yeah, I, shark, shark week is getting better. It's getting better. But for a while there, they were really focused on like, when sharks attack, monster shark is the deep. Um, I don't like when they're called monsters. I don't like when they're called aliens. I don't like when they're called killers. Like, they are an animal that is trying to eat just like everybody else. Just like everybody else.
1: Shout out from the back.
0: Um, (laughs) so for example, we, you and I went to an aquarium, not the one I work at, but I don't know if you remember, we went to an aquarium recently where they had a like 4D theater and the documentary they were playing oh was about goodness. sharks. Oh my god. And goodness. I was so excited I repress this. I was so excited about it. And then we got in there, and it's this, you know, educational educational facility, playing this educational film. And it starts off and it's like duh, 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 and it's dark, and they show the sand tiger shark, and when the sand tiger shark goes by the camera, it's like even they can't get it right. I was so upset. I was so angry. I forgot
1: how mad you were at this moment. You
0: remember the lights went up and you turned to me and you're like, "I know, I know, yeah. I know." I was so mad because sand tiger sharks. Look them up. They are they are they've got their little snaggle teeth. They are so slow.
1: We've swam with them.
0: Well, we've yeah we've been in a in a cage while they were around. Um, but uh, just so ridiculous, like. You never hear the same eerie music for documentaries about other animals. Like, you don't see a lion, and it's not like, do-do, do-do, you know?
1: They needed something like The Lion King to make them look good. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, so that's a pet peeve of mine. But, you know, so they're not bloodthirsty killers. What's the reality? Well, according to a author called Neff, in their article, The Jaws Effect, since the year 1580 there have been about 2,500 reports of shark bites around the world. So, think about that. In 420-some years, there have been less than 3,000 reported bites from sharks. And there are even fewer fatalities. That's just bites. That's not deaths. Wow. Yeah. Since 15... What did I say? Fifteen. Strong
1: record keeping.
0: Yeah. Um... So it just it does not happen as often as we think that it happens. It it does happen, but really, 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 really not that often at all. So if you're swimming in the ocean, your chances of getting bitten are very, 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 very slim. Walking down the street poses more danger than shark attacks do.
1: Is that in comparison to the risks that sharks are facing?
0: Did you read this beforehand? Oh no, I just wondered
1: if we were going to flip the script.
0: Oh, we're going to flip the script. Great. We are. Um, But first I want to talk about why these bites and fatalities do sometimes, rarely happen. A lot of it is cases of mistaken identity. You've probably seen that picture of like...
1: Like they thought it was like a former lover. No. No. (laughs) uh,
0: Oh, like a a cold case. Oh. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) No, it wasn't like an ex they were angry at. No. Um... No, it's like, you know, you see that picture of a silhouette from below of how a seal Mm -hmm. looks at the surface versus how a surfer with a surf bird in their arms and legs out looks. Pretty similar. I can't tell the difference. Oh boy. Um, So they can look a lot like, we can look a lot like the prey that sharks usually eat, like seals and fish, etc. Early in the morning or late at night or with murky water, it can be hard to see, so sharks don't know shiny jewelry can also be confusing to a lot of animals not just sharks um because it looks a lot like the, the scales of a fish and then what I always tell people is one of the main things is sharks don't have hands to explore things with so if they don't know what something is they have their mouth they're going to reach out and bite it to see kind of what it might be so usually um from what I understand when a lot of these bites or attacks happen, the shark has taken a bite, realize like, oh, oof, that's not what I was looking for at all, that does not taste like what I was hoping it would taste like, and then they leave.
1: It's like playing with a big dog where, like, even when it doesn't mean to bite you hard, it's still, like, it's a massive, like, animal, like, yeah. a bite will still hurt yeah. and cut you. And...
0: Yeah, and, and unfortunately they can be in kind of, in very inconvenient, bad places, But they are just, in many cases, trying to explore if they're not sure what something is. Um, And kind of like going back to what you were saying, Kim, an an ocean without sharks is much scarier than an ocean with sharks. Because sharks, as apex predators, in many cases, um, balance out the food web. They keep populations in check. So, for example, what do great white sharks eat in the example of deep blue?
1: uh you said what a great white sea wait you said a sperm whale no what you said. that's say? one thing yeah well, I, I always target. think of sea lions i always see or yeah. not is it sea lions yeah. or seals are always Both. thrown around
0: yeah sea lions are seals um yeah they eat a lot of a lot of marine mammals um so let's say that great white sharks disappeared unfortunately populations of seals, which are one of their primary food sources, they would grow and grow and grow and skyrocket, severely decreasing populations of their food, different kinds of fish, usually, Um, and then when those fish stocks ran out, then the seals or sea lions would starve, there wouldn't be enough for everybody, and then, you know, you can see those impacts down and down and down the food web, impacts everybody. Um, so if you love seafood, you want to keep sharks around. If you love snorkeling or diving, you want to keep sharks around. If you like the idea of having an ocean and a planet, you want to keep sharks around.
1: That last one hits home.
0: Yeah, right? Um, and of course, sharks are incredible. There's so many of them. There's so many different kinds of sharks. Cameron, name your your favorite kinds of sharks. Favorite? Top three.
1: Uh, what's the one with the big old tail? Thresher? Correct. Um, Blue's? Because they look so cute.
0: They're cute little eyes. Um, Freshers have pretty cute eyes, too.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, oh, Wobegons? Are they the... No, 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 no. I do like Wobegons. Epulet?
0: Epulet sharks. Epulet,
1: the ones that walk.
0: Uh-huh. That can uh-huh.
1: close off their, like, gills.
0: Yeah.
1: Epulets. That's number three.
0: Yep. That's... Those are very, very good choices. What are your three? Um, they change all the time. I mean, whale sharks are... Going to kind of always be up there, but recently I've been talking a lot about basking sharks, which are also mm-hmm. incredible. They used to be here in the northwest more often. Oh, they're big filter feeders as well. They are called basking sharks because they like to bask at the surface. Um, so I really am into filter feeders right now. But I also really like, you know, sand tigers are a classic as well. It changes all the time. It changes, um, but. You were mentioning the threats to them, too. What are some threats sharks face right now, Camden? Us. In what way? There are many ways.
1: Oh. It's just just all of us. No? Yeah. Well, um, I know that they're often being, like, culled. Like, when, they'll sometimes be, like, when there's, like, sightings of sharks or, like, attacks, they'll be, like, cullings. I don't know if that is as common a practice anymore.
0: Yeah, often. Um,
1: so there's like a retaliation attacks
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, i I mean I know a lot of it too is I think more always from like environmental perspective like their waters are changing
0: yeah
1: um I know that the ways that their water is warming and the way that currents are changing can really affect like their migration mm-hmm. um I guess I'm not sure what their hunting numbers are at as what far do you mean? as like are they are they still like I know they're killed a lot and they're either sold as. Like different types of meat,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we saw that in Malaysia.
0: Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. saw
1: a market that sold different types of sharks. Mm-hmm. What are the others?
0: The other threats to them? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the big one I think many of you all listening would think of is shark finning. Yeah. Which happens a lot. Oh,
1: that's number one. I yeah. should have thought of that.
0: Happens a lot. Um, they're killed for their fins and then maybe thrown back in the ocean alive, which is pretty brutal. Um, but then they're also caught as bycatch too. So yeah. when Fisher people are fishing, their nets might accidentally catch sharks even though they're not looking for them. Um, They are also used in products too, like if you go to GNC you can find shark cartilage pills. Do they do anything for you? Hell no. Do not buy them. Um, You might find them in fish oil supplements. Um, You gotta be really careful about what kind of fish is in your fish oil. Um, and beauty products too. They're just, yeah, they face so many different threats. Sometimes they're cold if there has been a bite, like somebody, you know, they'll, they'll try to track down that shark and kill it, but likely that shark is gone. Anyway, I could go on about their threats forever, but we can also do a lot to help too. So I think I've mentioned before, maybe sustainable seafood um, is really important, but basically that means that we're not getting a lot of bycatch. We're not. Damaging the environment when we take seafood out. We're not taking too much so that sharks have enough to eat and sustain themselves. Um, and a really good program for that is Seafood Watch through Monterey Bay Aquarium. And it comes on a handy dandy app. Right, Cameron, you've enjoyed your, your Seafood oh, Watch yeah. experience. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. All my
1: students know about it too. Do they really? Yeah, they've done several projects yeah. that involve Seafood Watch.
0: <laughs> um, so you can download that app or go onto their website seafoodwatch.org um avoid shark products avoid you know makeup squalene is another name for shark mm-hmm. so be looking for that um yeah don't use those cartilage or fish oil pills with sharks in them please, please 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 and also I think the the biggest thing you can do is to tell other people that sharks are incredibly important incredibly cool and necessary and not scary so
1: yay sharks
0: yay sharks Love you, Deep
1: Blue. Mwah. Before ending each episode, we thought we would have a short segment sharing something interesting we've read, listened to, watched, or otherwise consumed this week. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. Great. I've enjoyed reading Cake for Breakfast.
0: Cake
1: for Breakfast. A weekly newsletter delivered right to your home. Through your computer. Through your computer, yeah. But in your home, or wherever your computer is. Um, It is produced by the hilarious and otherworldly talented uh, Mia Mercado. She's a writer who's been featured in the New Yorker, New York Times, Bustle, so many places. Um, I love it because it's very related to this segment, because it's all about consumption and... There's clever little titles where she talks about what she's reading, what she's listening to, what she's watching, otherwise consuming. It is so, 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 so funny.
0: I can attest uh, to that. I, because yeah. I, I mean, full disclosure, we are very good friends with. Oh, yeah, we her. love her. We love her, but when I read that at work, I have to cover my mouth so much because I will laugh in the silence of my common workspace.
1: And I've tried to get a lot better at not reading my emails or reading anything otherwise, like, depressing or, like, stress-inducing in the mornings. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not always... I haven't been great about doing that consistently. Um, It comes every Monday to me, though, and when I see it, it's just a wonderful way to start my day, Mm -hmm. to start the week. It's so funny. And it gives... She's obviously so talented. She sends also great things your way of other articles you should read Other things you should listen to, other people's writings, so good. Um, You can go to Mm MiaMercado.com, laugh a lot, and then subscribe to her newsletter at the same time.
0: Cake for breakfast. Um, Things that I have been reading this week, um, I have been reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. And...
1: I don't know why we're doing that for this segment.
0: (laughs) Um, it's really good I'm not all the way through it yet but I, we're reading it for book club and I'm really enjoying it I
1: I wonder what she becomes
0: <laughs> time will tell I haven't finished the book yet no spoilers um, I usually don't read autobiographies I usually mm-hmm. don't read biographies I usually read true crime <laughs> I usually read like sort of I fic- I'll read like fiction fiction kind of like oh I love like magic realism that's one of my favorite kinds of genres but I really, yeah, I don't really read biographies or autobiographies at all. But Michelle Obama's book is beautifully written. It is very engaging, um, even though I came at it from like, oh, I just have to get through this autobiography for book club. i got to be on time this time. Um, but it's very engaging. It's really easy to read. And I really do feel like I'm getting a sense of her as a person and her background and the challenges and triumphs she's had throughout her life. Um, and it kind of like, you know, I've always admired her as a first lady, but I now kind of admire her on a more, on a deeper level. Mm. So Becoming by Michelle Obama.
1: May I borrow it when you're done? You may. Well, thank you so much for listening today. You can hear more content like this from our Sister Wife podcast from U to O by my co-host Margaret.
0: Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions is a podcast produced by Two Birds, One Scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve and protect our environment can be found at twobirdsonescone.org.
1: We've also set up an email account, so if you have scientific misconceptions that you'd like explained or want to provide feedback to us, please email us at don'tpeeonyourleg at gmail.com.
0: I'd also add, if you have suggestions for public domain music, we will so happily take them. Oh my gosh, It is really hard to find. It is
1: actually one of the most stressful parts of this entire podcast. Every week.
0: So send those, those public domain music suggestions again to don't be on your leg at gmail.com. Oh, on, Have you. a great week. Bye. Come on along, let me take you by the hand Up to the
1: man, the funny man Who's the leader of the band And if you care to hear the Swanee River Played in ragtime Come on in here, come on in here Alexander's Ragtime Band